Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, thank you oh so much for the many things you've blessed us with all throughout this day. So many already, and now the awesome opportunity once again to get back in your word, open our hearts and minds, and we can receive that message and encourage us to go share that with the world that truly needs it today. Thank you oh so much for allowing us to be a part of your work. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name, amen. Well, with the things that are going on in the world today, I figured to do a message on the war in Israel. There's a lot of preachers on the internet and so forth that are jumping to the opportunity to send out some sermons concerning the last days and that this is it, you know, judgment day is coming and we've got to be all ready. Well, that should be all the time we need to be thinking about judgments coming and we all need to be ready. It shouldn't just be when there's some conflict in Israel because we know there's been conflict in Israel and there will continue to be conflict of Israel all throughout to the last days. Nothing new there. But as far as saying that it's going to happen on this date or that date or this day or that day, like some have tried to do all through the ages in Mark chapter 13, verse 32, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Speaking of judgment days, speaking of the last days, we've been given many scriptures concerning the last days so that we could be aware of the importance of spreading the gospel, the urgency of spreading the gospel, and to be prayed up and ready for when the last days do kick in. Because we understand that there's going to be judgment. But as far as the war in Israel goes, there's some verses we want to look at that go back to Genesis in chapter 12. Now, the reason that there's conflict over in Israel and in that area is basically a fight over the territory, the fight over the land. And it's if you go back and look at the family tree and the squabbles that have occurred, it goes back to some of that as well. It's not just a religious war. It's a war of whose right it is to own and possess that property in that area. And they've gone up against the Jews that have been reestablished as a nation back in 1948 the, after World War II. The, the UN and so forth acknowledged the return of, of a nation of, of Israel. But there were some territories that were not given back to Israel at that time. But let's look at some of the verses um, in Genesis and in Joshua that, concerning this. But in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, one of the points that we want to bring out when it comes to this war in Israel and for anybody who goes up against Israel in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now this point that I want to bring out is the blessings or the cursings that come upon those that go up against Abraham and the descendants of Abraham. 
the promised bloodline of the descendants of Abraham. We know that Abraham had two children. He had Ishmael, which was born of Sarah's handmaiden, Hagar. And then he had Isaac, which was the promised son. Now, Abraham was promised a bloodline, promised a child. And he got impatient. And he decided to fulfill that prophecy himself. And Sarah herself stepped up and did part of that as well. And gave Abraham her handmaiden, which was Hagar, to be a bearer of a child for Abraham. Well, Hagar had that child. You can go to Genesis chapter 16 to see some details concerning this. Verses 1 through 12. Well, let's go ahead and read it. we got time. In Genesis chapter 16, verse 1. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, bare him no children, and she had an handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, and her, hand, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dealt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was displeased, or I should say, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. Now Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way of Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, whence camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself unto her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord hath heard thy affliction, and he will be a wild man. His hand will be, will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. That's the key verse right there, verse 12. Read that again. And he will be a wild man, and his hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, 
and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Now that bloodline is the bloodline of the people that are going up against Israel today. All the way back to Ishmael here, the illegitimate child of Abram, who was later known as Abraham. So because Abraham disobeyed, and Sarai as well, this sin has resulted in hardship on the entire planet ever since. Just like you can go all the way back to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve's sin is the worst sin of all time, of course, is the sin that severed the relationship of everyone from the Lord. But here we see another awesome and horrible sin of Abraham going against the will of the Lord, deciding to do things his own way. But you can go back and look at other things that Abram did as well. When he left the land that he was in to go to the promised land, he, he didn't follow the instructions properly. He wound up taking Lot, which was, he was not supposed to take Lot. Lot had a couple kids that wound up being the enemies of Israel as well. So you got that whole mess up. So back to Abraham doing things that he was not supposed to do resulted in these various groups, these various bloodlines that wound up being enemies of Israel all this time. And it's, it's clear that they hate the Jews. They hate them completely and totally want to wipe them out. But this was added to when Islam was introduced and the Islamic religion going against anyone who didn't believe in their religion or follow their religion is considered an infidel to them and worthy of death. And the Jews don't follow Islam, so therefore they put them in that category as well. So they piled on to the hatred and the disdain for the Jews or the children of Israel in that way as well which then spread that around the entire world. But as far as the territory that they're fighting over, now if you turn over to Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 11, we see some of the reference here to the promised land, to Moses, in chapter 11, verse 22, reads, For if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do, them to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to cleave unto him. Then will the Lord drive out all those nations, all these nations before you, and ye shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. Every place wherein the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness of Lebanon, from the river the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea, shall your coast be. There shall no man be able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that ye shall tread upon, as he hath said unto you. Notice where it said, unto the uttermost sea shall your coast be. The Gaza Strip is along the sea. The Gaza Strip, which they're fighting over, according to the promise of the Lord, is supposed to belong to the children of Israel, not to the Palestinians. Now, over in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, 
It came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, rise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. All the way to the coast, not the Gaza Strip that is divided and taken away from Israel, which they're fighting over. Now you can also go to Joshua chapter 13, which we won't go into this because he goes into quite detail in Joshua chapter 13 of the borders of what is supposed to be the promised land. And Israel does not have that property today. They've got part of it, but not all of it. But they are supposed to have all of it according to what was given them by the Lord. So you can go back, you do a title search when you go to buy, buy a piece of property or sell a piece of property, you find out where the borders are, you do a title search. You go back and say, okay, this is where the borders are, this, this property belongs to so-and-so and, and such-and-such, and this you could go back to, okay, this is the borders, this is what it's supposed to be, what was supposed to be given to the children of Israel. They don't have all that now. So the fighting has been going on ever since. And part of the reason that there are those battles that were going on is they were given specific instructions when they go into the region to cast out those that were there because they weren't supposed to be there to begin with and to establish the different property lines and give it to the various tribes. But some of the areas they didn't do that. Some of the areas they made covenant with the people that were already living there because they figured, oh, we got plenty of property. Well, you go ahead and keep that part there. You can work along with us and made covenant with them and intermingled with them and became pagan like they were. And judgments come upon Israel all through the Old Testament. You can see that because they disobeyed God. Once again, the problems that we are suffering today is a direct result from the disobedience of the children of God. Just as we in our lives every single day suffer for our disobedience. We are not supposed to be disobedient. We see the increase of sin and sinful behavior in this country. This country is in such a mess like it has never been, but we need to do like we read so often in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, which was given to the children of Israel when they were having some judgments coming upon them. If my people, which are called by my name, this was given to the children of Israel, but it comes to all those today that are born again believers of Jesus Christ. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. That's where the problem is. People need to turn from their wicked ways to totally devote themselves to the service of the Lord. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's what it's going to take for peace. That's what it's going to take for prosperity. Will this occur? 
Are we in the midst of the beginning of the tribulation time? Many believe that we are entering into the tribulation time. In Matthew chapter 24, the Lord speaks of the last days. Let's look at some of these as he gave to the, the disciples. And then we need to look at this in a couple different ways. We, we know when we speak of the, the rapture, the, the gathering together, the rapture of the church, which is the Latin word found in the Latin Vulgate, which was transliterated as the word rapture. And it means to be caught up. You have those that believe in the pre-trib or pre-tribulation time rapture. You've got those that believe in the mid-tribulation or middle of the tribulation time rapture and at the post-trib or at the end of the tribulation rapture. You've got those three general beliefs. We as well, myself specifically, believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, that we will be raptured up before the tribulation kicks in. But let's look at this a little further. In Matthew chapter 24, picking up verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Talking about the temple. Talking about the temple mount. And it was totally destroyed, all the way down to the foundation plate, just like Jesus Christ prophesied. Some, some 70 years later, this actually was fulfilled given us the assurance that everything Jesus Christ tells us is going to be fulfilled in the intricate detail that he tells it to us. Now, you look over there at the pictures of Jerusalem and you see this beautiful golden dome, dome on the mount, and that's the mount where the temple was built. Currently, that is in the possession of the Muslims. Right in the heart of Jerusalem, you have this Muslim mosque built upon the holy site where the temple was. I'll come back to that later. Verse 3, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of, the, of thy coming, and of the end of the world? Notice, end of the world. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, and that is what we really need to focus right there. Take heed that no man deceive you. The deceivers are going to be coming in. They're going to be saying all kinds of stuff that is not accurate, not correct, not in alignment with the Word of God. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. We truly see that. See that ye be not troubled. Right there. Don't worry about it. It's going to happen prophesied going to continue for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places we're seeing all this today and we're seeing this on an increase is this what he's prophesied currently being fulfilled I don't believe so. We're just being given little morsels, little samples. What he's speaking of here is going to be in such magnitude that we can't even comprehend it. We've seen little, I mean, we've seen earthquakes in divers or many different places. We've had earthquakes here locally that we never would have thought we'd have had an earthquake here, but yes, now they're everywhere. So it's getting closer. 
All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. We're seeing that occur right now. Now on the increase, because of the Muslims and because of other antichrist groups, on the increase. Muslims have spread all over the entire planet. They are now considered the largest number of people in that religion than any other religion on the planet, even Christianity. And they are all over the place, as I've said. And they have a belief that if they occupy a place, that place is theirs, and they have the right to do as they please in that place. As it continues, And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. We surely see that. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. Definitely going on. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. That's one of the key verses of this. All the world, everybody, everywhere will hear the gospel. This is only going to be accomplished during the tribulation time when the angels themselves are entered into the process of spreading the gospel. Not just man spreading the gospel, but even the angels will be spreading the gospel during the tribulation time. So we know this has to be fulfilled at that time or will be fulfilled at that time. Now over in Luke chapter 21, Luke speaks of the last days as well in Luke chapter 21. But let's look at just a couple of verses here that he speaks of, which gives us a better indication of the timeline concerning the born-again Christians of today. Verse 34 of Luke chapter 21 reads, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares. You've got to be ready. Reads, for as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. And in the key verse here, watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. To escape all these things that shall come to pass. That means you're not going to have to go through the tribulation. So how can you get to the point where you don't have to go through the tribulation? You're prayed up, you're ready to go. You're ready to go for what John talks about in chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. We Christians don't have to worry. We don't have to worry about the last days being fulfilled. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. Allowing us to be with Him. 
given us that awesome promise that he's going to take us out of here before the tribulation, before all those horrible things, found worthy to escape those things. The born-again Christians are those that are found worthy to escape those things. So what's going to happen? What is the next major prophetic event to occur in the world for the Christians? That is the rapture. I've got a lot more verses. We can keep going for a couple more hours if you like, or I could sum it up in a nutshell. <laughs> All right, I'll sum it up in a nutshell here. The next major prophetic event to occur is the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church is going to be, see how I can say this, so chaotic so devastating to the world because so many people are going to be caught up, taken out, that it's going to cause chaos around the planet. And in that chaos is when the Muslims and the Antichrist will rise up in a horrible battle and they then will want to focus on destroying Israel. Well, at that time, there will be the battle which is known as the Battle of Gog and Magog. Go back to Ezekiel in chapter 38 and 39, and you can read some of the details of that battle. One of the details of that battle is the end of it was going to be God is going to rain down hail, fire and hail, and that's going to end that battle. At the end of that battle, an Antichrist rises up and takes credit for ending that battle and signs a peace treaty with Israel. The signing of that peace treaty is the beginning of the seven-year clock of the tribulation time. Now, the rapture, battle of Gog and Magog, the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. Now, part of the details you find in Ezekiel 38 and 39 is speaking of burning of the weapons that were being used, and that it takes seven years for those to be burned up. Now, we know at the end of the tribulation time, that Jesus Christ is going to come down and wipe out all the ungodly, divide the sheep from the goats, as he tells us in Matthew 24 and 25, and the godly are going to be judged that are alive at that time, and the words that he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord, is speaking of those Christians being able to go over into the millennial period. The millennial period will be established at the end of the tribulation. The tribulation time is going to be so devastating upon this planet that it isn't going to be livable. So the Lord has to restore this planet back to its perfection for the millennial period. And in that perfection could not be a pile of weapons being burned. Therefore, we know that the seven years of the burning of weapons has to occur during the tribulation time. Therefore, you get a better clue of the timeline. Rapture, Battle of Gog and Magog, Tribulation, Millennial Period, which is what we all have laid out. So that is what we have to look forward to. So part of this is the rapture. Let's look at those verses in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. 
For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep or proceed before. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We can take comfort in knowing that there is going to be a rapture, a rapture of the church, a rapture of the believers. So we must trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We must trust that he is going to take us out of here before the tribulation time kicks in because he's told us he would do that. And in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. The hour of temptation is the tribulation time, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. So he lets us know. We follow him. We trust in his word. He's going to keep us from that. How? By rapturing us up. We go up to the, a wondrous supper of the Lamb. And judgment that we will have to give us our positions and assignments when we come back at the millennial period to further serve the Lord. So all this is dependent upon you trusting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior so that you can be raptured up before all this stuff kicks in. In John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? That's the key. Do you believe that? If you truly believe in Jesus Christ, then he saves you and dwells you with the Holy Ghost. And you are assured of not having to go into the tribulation time. You'll be taken out of here up to a glorious place to be with the Lord while that our temptation is upon the planet. So when we see the signs of the times, like the Lord tells us, when you see the leaves changing like we're seeing now in this time of year, you know the seasons are here. We're seeing the things going on in the world. We know everything is in place that needs to be in place for the, the prophecies of the tribulation time and the battle of Gog and Magog to be implemented right now. I mean, it's all there. It's all in place. Israel has already pre-cut and crafted the implements that they will need for the new temple. The new temple that is prophesied in the Word of God cannot be built there now because the mosque is there, the golden dome of the mosque. It cannot be built there. It would be another war. So it has to be annihilated. It has to be wiped out. It has to be taken out of there. The only way it's going to be taken out of there is to take out the, the Muslims. And the Muslims will be wiped out during the Battle of Gog and Magog. There's no clear indication that they will exist after the Battle of Gog and Magog. But also, if you look into the details of the various nations that gather together to go up against Israel that are in existence right now, such as Ukraine, Russia, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, and so forth, they all exist. They're all in place. They're all ready to go up against Israel. And there's no clear indication that the United States will exist after the Battle of Gog and Magog. So, because there's so many Christians in the United States, 
And now because there's such an increase in Muslims in the United States, it's pretty much the United States is going to be wiped out along with all of Islam during the Battle of Gog and Magog. And of course, there'll be so many taken out up to be with the Lord during the rapture. So the United States is not going to be a world power in the last days. They're pretty much not going to exist. You can do further studies in there and get other clues about that. Of course, a lot of this is theology. But the clear understanding of Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, will keep you from all the horrible things that are about to occur around the world. So get prayed up, stay prayed up, and be ready for what's next. Let's pray now. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank you for the many things you allow us to understand when you reveal your word to us. Help all of us be prepared for what's next and encourage us to go out and help others be prepared. We look around and we see the signs of the times that should motivate all of us to get that much more busy spreading the gospel so that more can come to know you before it's everlasting too late. Be with all of us. Guide every thought that we have, every word that we say, every step that we take, that we can always bring honor and glory to you. So we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.